You're listening to Fitness Beyond Aesthetics. I'm your host, Estelle, and I'm super happy you're tuning in today. I'm a certified personal trainer and life coach whose life within the fitness world has been pretty all over the place. After becoming a personal trainer, I quickly realized that most people needed just as much help with their heart and mind, which is why I now fuse fitness and life, because the two cannot be pulled apart. In this podcast, my goal is to help you find confidence, freedom and understanding, and feel at home in the fitness world and explore self-discovery and life topics intersecting with fitness in ways you may not have thought of before. It's time you figure out for yourself what it means to be healthy and make choices you feel confident in that lead to creating a life you love. Welcome to Fitness Beyond Aesthetics. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode. Today, I want to hop straight into things because I do think that this could potentially be a longer episode. (laughs) And I obviously I haven't finished recording it all. This is just the very beginning. Just looking at all of the information I have written down here and all the stuff in my head, I think it could be on the longer side. So of course, if you need to pause this partway through and come back to it, of course, feel free to do that. Um, But I am really excited to talk about this. I don't often talk about cardio because it's not like my specialty in the way that I'm not like promoting cardio programs and come do a 5k with me, come do a 10k with me, except I think I might um, do that in this episode (laughs) because I am going to be doing a 10k in May and I'm excited to do that. I used to be actually a really good runner. I don't think that I necessarily have the genetic for running, but I can be a good runner when I train myself to be. There was one point in time where for people who are like runners, this isn't a big deal. Um, Like they've been doing it a long time, but for me it is. I was able to run 10 miles fairly comfortably at one point in time, which is a big deal. Um, I cannot do that now. I can probably run a few miles comfortably um, and probably maybe five or six. Who knows? You know, like when you're put under pressure, you could probably do even crazier things. But that's about where I am right now. 10K. I can't remember. I think it's like five. Is it, how many miles is it? Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I think it's could be around six miles. It's 10 divided by 1.3. So it's 7.6. Okay, so 7.6 miles, um, about seven and a half. I think I did that right. Anyways, I'm doing a 10K. I'm excited about that. And I am often asked, how can I do cardio in a supportive way? Um, Do you think cardio is even necessary? Because I don't talk about it. So I understand why someone would ask that question. So I'm going to be talking about that. But also, I feel like it's probably necessary to give you guys a full understanding of the cardiovascular system within this episode, because I talk about the musculoskeletal system so much that I don't need to pack that all into one episode. Um, But I am going to do my best to give you guys an overview here. 
I'm going to be giving you an overview of how the cardiorespiratory system works. So basically, what is cardiovascular? What is respiratory? How do they work together? What adaptions are made because of cardiorespiratory training? Is it too stressful to do cardio? Where does that idea come from? And also, I think this topic is really interesting. It's just going to be a small part of this. But what about heart rate? Because we've been told that, oh, lower heart rate is uh means you're more athletic and now there's some mm, other people saying that oh we don't want it to be too low obviously super high isn't great either but lower isn't always better so what's my take on all of that that's what i'm be talking about gets and also giving you guys some ideas of how to incorporate healthy amounts of cardiovascular training cardiorespiratory training i should say into your weeks so basically the body adapts in the way just like it does to strength. So what I mean by this is you give your body a stimulus, it adapts. So when you perform strength training, you tell your body that it needs to increase contractile fibers. So what does it do? It increases contractile fibers. So if you were to perform cardiorespiratory training, cardio, you would be telling your body to improve its oxidative capacity. So what would it do? It would increase its oxidative capacity. And I've been asked by some of you if I think cardio is necessary or even if it's too stressful for the body. Now, I'm going to answer this in short and long, but the short answer is you need to be doing cardio for your health period. Now, those who do cardio regularly are statistically healthier than those who don't, and I will be getting into why, but it is not too stressful for your body when done appropriately. Honestly, anything could be too stressful for your body. Sitting all day is too stressful for your body. Bananas, are they're a great fruit, but if you ate five bananas in a day, that would probably be too stressful for your body. It'd be fine. You know, you'd be fine. But yet what I'm saying here, even good things, too much of them is not beneficial. Resting, sleeping, you need to rest. You need to sleep. You need to like lay down in your bed and relax. But what if that was all you did and you never got out of bed, right? That would be a stressor too. So it's really about balance in all of these things. Now, the idea that it is too stressful often comes from people who have abused it in the past or they're taught by people who have abused it in the past. Now, what comes to your mind when you think of cardio? This is what used to come to my mind, and it might be the same for you, but I would just think of like burning lungs. I couldn't breathe. I was just like heaving, about to pass out. Um, I've even barfed before because I pushed myself so hard in my workout. That can be what comes to mind for some people. And so if you think cardio equals that, of course, you're not going to want to do it. Of course, you're going to be like, that doesn't sound healthy because barfing isn't healthy <laughs> unless your body's trying to get out some sort of like poison or something that's not supposed to be in your body. That's insane, right? You don't need to challenge the cardiovascular system that much. 
But on the other hand, there are people that are afraid to do more than a light walk because they're afraid of um, stressing their body out. But if you don't ever challenge your body to do more than it is currently doing, then it will adapt to that and it won't be able to do more. And that's not healthy or even safe. Now coming up, I'm going to be walking you through a picture of this system, kind of like a visual picture of this system and the adaption so you can really understand how important it is to do cardio because I could tell you, oh yeah, cardio does X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But if you can't really imagine that in your body, it's not going to have as powerful of an effect. And I really want you to grasp the whole picture of this. And then I will give you some recommendations for what to do. Now, I'm just going to be really boring here for a couple minutes, and I'm going to give you a rundown of the cardiovascular system and the respiratory system. So the cardiovascular system, or you could also call the circulatory system, it's a closed circuit system that is made up of your heart blood vessels, and blood. Now, blood, it continuously travels in a circular route through the heart into arteries and then into capillaries, into veins, and then back into the heart. So together with the respiratory system, which we'll talk about in a minute, the heart and the blood vessels deliver oxygen and nutrients to all of your body's tissues while removing waste like carbon dioxide and other metabolic byproducts. So blood, we all know what blood is. It is the fluid component of the cardiovascular system, and it links the internal environment of the body to the external environment by transporting materials between the two. Now, blood is also broken up into different parts, and one of those parts, the liquid component, is called plasma, and plasma is what's responsible for carrying hormones, proteins, food materials like carbohydrates, um, amino acids, lipids like fats, ions, gases like oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon dioxide all throughout the body. Now, the portion of the blood that's not plasma makes up or it's made up of red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets. So the blood, it basically feeds your body. Its primary function is transportation. Like it's just constantly moving around. So in addition, the cardiovascular system plays a very important role in temperature regulation and acid-base balance. And blood isn't just randomly like going throughout the body. It goes through a system and it is transported in very specific ways. So it is actually carried throughout the body via arteries, veins, and capillaries. Actually, I should say arteries. And then forgive me if I say this word wrong. I've only seen these words written before. I've never heard them spoken. Um, so arteries and arterioles. So it's basically like branches of the arteries and then veins and venules. So venules, I think that's how you say it, is like branches of the veins, kind of like tree-like guys going on. Um, and like the capillaries, like I said. So these all perform different functions. They are four different things. It's kind of like some draw uh, draw away from the heart, some go to the heart, some are the capillaries are where the gas, nutrient, and waste exchange happens between the blood and the tissue. And I think we all know that the heart is a muscle. So when you use muscles, they get stronger. When you use your heart more, it's going to increase its capacity as well. So when you think about what is the function of the heart, so we have this blood moving around the body, but it's actually pumped via your heart. And I also think most of the listeners understand that 
there are different sections of the heart and certain sections are meant to pump blood away and some are meant to receive. Now, the portions pumping the blood away, when the blood exits the heart, it's going to stop by the lungs. And I'm really really abbreviating this, but it stops by the lungs. It picks up the oxygen. It actually does an oxygen and CO2 exchange to clear those metabolites from the body and then transport the oxygen to the working tissues. Now, hopefully that gave you a pretty good picture of the cardiovascular system. I know it was really abbreviated, but I just wanted to like get this picture painted in your head because it's just going to help everything after this makes so so much more sense and have a more powerful effect. So let's really quickly cover the respiratory system and move on. So the structures of the respiratory system, uh, they actually make it possible for the rest of the body to exchange the gases between the external environment and the, in, the internal, the tissues. So the respiratory system, it actually provides a mean to replace the oxygen and remove the carbon dioxide in the blood. Like I said, that's where it stops by the lungs and it does this little exchange. And in addition to this, it makes vocalization possible. It plays a role, a very important role in the regulation of, like I said, that acid-base balance during exercise. So really these benefits that we receive from the cardio system or cardiovascular and the respiratory system, they are so intertwined. Now, the respiratory system, it is made up of the nose, nasal cavity, pharynx, larynx, trachea, bronchi, and the lungs. And altogether, these structures make it possible by forming a group of passages, essentially, that filter air and transport it into the lungs. And that is where the gas exchange occurs within these little tiny microscopic air sacs called alveoli. So if you were to look this up, even on like Google images, you could you just type in like respiratory system there would be a picture of like you know like the nose mouth you know like your throat so like trachea all that stuff going down in there into your lungs and then like inside the lungs like not even like the outside of it you it branches off into the little like tree guys and at the very very ends are those air sacs called alveoli now, I'm not going to get too detailed on this. I think we can all understand how we get oxygen in there. Um, we don't need to know the names of all the little things it passes through. <laughs> but basically, you know, you breathe through your nose and your mouth. It goes in your body, goes into your lungs, and it goes basically to different branches. All the little tree branches, they all have different names, down to those alveoli. Now, one muscle that is not included in the respiratory system, but I think it's important to talk about here, is your diaphragm. Uh, so if you don't know what your diaphragm is, it is located, like if you were to find the bottom of your sternum, that's where your diaphragm is. And it's basically like a box kind of muscle, and it is the only skeletal muscle that is required for life. It's the only one. You don't need your quads. You don't need your biceps. You don't need any of those skeletal muscles to survive, but you do need your diaphragm because your diaphragm is what helps your what helps you breathe essentially. It helps your your ribs expand and close. And when we are at rest, the diaphragm is 
it's all, um, what do you call it? Like you're not having to think about it's passive. That's the word I was looking for. It's a passive activity. You're not like, let me breathe in. Let me breathe out. (laughs) But when you really challenge the respiratory system, it can get to that point. So during exercise, expiration becomes active and important muscles of expiration, like the breathing out, uh, like the rectus abdominis, like that outer layer of your abs, internal oblique. So your obliques, but more inside serratus posterior, inner internal intercostal muscles. These are all activated to actually help pull the rib cage downward and force air from your lungs by squeezing the abdominal organs upward against the diaphragm. Now, I think I'm going to leave it at that. I, I find these things so interesting and I hope that the passion in my voice is like making it entertaining enough. But I know that not everyone wants to hear all about that. But I thought it was important to paint that picture for you guys, because like I said, it's going to make it so much more powerful as we dive deeper into this. Now, as I mentioned, these two things, the cardiovascular system and the respiratory system, they interact. This is how oxygen and nutrients are distributed throughout the body. Cardiovascular exercise improves your ability your body's ability to do that. But it is reliant on three different things in order to do this distribution. So thing number one is getting the oxygen into the blood. So this is part of pulmonary ventilation, which is combined with the blood's capacity to carry oxygen. Thing number two, um, it needs to be able to deliver oxygen to the active tissues. That's part of cardiac output. And thing number three is that it needs to be able to extract the oxygen from the blood to complete this metabolic product production of ATP. So ATP is basically energy. It stands for adenosine triphosphate. It's energy. I'm just going to leave it at that. So we're going to go through these things one by one. So thing number one I mentioned was the oxygen carrying capacity and that it was part of pulmonary ventilation. So pulmonary ventilation is basically the rate times depth of your breathing. So the depth is like tidal volume. That's what it's called. So how deeply you breathe plus how fast you breathe. So that correlates to the oxygen carrying capacity. How much oxygen can it carry? So thing number one was the oxygen carrying capacity, which was correlated to pulmonary ventilation. So pulmonary ventilation, blah, 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 big word, big word, big word. Uh, This is the function of the rate times depth of breathing. So the depth is the tidal volume. So how fast you're breathing and how deeply you're breathing. Um, The body also needs to be able to move enough air through the lungs to aerate the alveoli. So remember the alveoli are like deep little guys in the lungs are the very, very tips where this gas exchange happens. So this exchange between the oxygen and the CO2 that's going on. And if this doesn't happen properly or it doesn't happen enough, then carbon dioxide accumulates in the blood and not enough oxygen will get into the blood. And you're going to start feeling that in your brain. And it is going to feel like a very urgent need to stop exercising. So that was thing number two. And one of my favorite things, I guess I'm going to talk about this here. It's correlated to thing number three as well, 
One of my favorite things to learn about when I was first studying this stuff was about the increase in hemoglobin. So I talked about how when you train your body in a strength training way, you're telling your body to increase in contractile proteins to be able to contract more, to press more weight. Well, when your body learns that it needs to be able to provide more oxygen, it creates more of the thing to carry oxygen. So hemoglobin, it is a protein of red blood cells that binds with oxygen molecules for transportation. So when the body is trained that it needs to be able to distribute more oxygen, there is an increase in hemoglobin. Isn't that so, so cool? So this is also um, important to note because those with anemia really struggle with this because they don't have as much hemoglobin, so they can't carry as much oxygen. Now, um, I mentioned before that one time I barfed after working out. This was a super long time ago. Um, but I also passed out one time <laughs> after working out and I was taken to the emergency room. Now, for some people, um, this might not, you know, passing out. It's like, oh, my family has issues with this. We all pass out, you know, and you're not as scared. Well, my family doesn't. <laughs> we don't pass out. Um, but I did. And so they thought something might be wrong. They took me to the emergency room and they actually tested me for anemia because it's that common. Are you on the journey to achieve a healthier lifestyle, but find it challenging to get all the nutrients you need from your regular diet? Look no further than Perfect Supplements. Perfect Supplements is a leading provider of high quality, all natural supplements designed to support your well-being and help you reach your health goals. Whether you're an athlete striving for peak performance, a busy professional seeking more energy, or simply someone who wants to improve their overall vitality, Perfect Supplements has something for you. They are committed to sourcing the purest and most potent ingredients to create products that are free of harmful additives, fillers, and synthetic chemicals. You can trust that what you're putting in your body is of the highest quality and genuinely beneficial. One of my favorites is their grass-fed collagen. It's fantastic for supporting joint health, promoting radiant skin, and strengthening hair and nails. Plus, it's sourced from grass-fed, pasture-raised cattle, ensuring that you get the best quality collagen available. And for you guys, they're offering an exclusive discount. Head over to their website at perfectsupplements.com and use the code Estelle at checkout to get 10% off your order. That's Estelle, my name, E-S-T-E-L-L-E. And what's even better is when you buy three, you save 20%. When you buy six, you save 25%. Stack that with my code Estelle, E-S-T-E-L-L-E, for that additional 10% off and you get up to a total of 35% off. Take a step towards a healthier you with Perfect Supplements. The link is in the show notes. So, of course, you should be careful with this if you are anemic. Um, but also, it, it, it's also interesting to note that, hey, um, I struggle with this, you know, feeling lightheaded because I'm anemic. But if you were to safely increase this capacity that you have, you might be able to actually work against that and build more hemoglobin. Now, let's talk about that number three, the oxygen delivery. So, this is tied into the function of cardiac output. So cardiac output um, is your heart rate times stroke volume. So stroke volume um, is the quantity of blood pumped per heartbeat. So it's kind of like your your heart is getting stronger, like taking in more blood at one with one pump and pressing it all out, right? So it's it's kind of like it's getting stronger in that way. Like I said, it's a muscle. 
So your body is able to raise its heart rate to increase blood flow. And during exercise, this happens pretty linearly until you reach your max heart rate. Stroke volume is a little bit different. It increases until I want to say like 60 per 70%. Don't quote me on that. It could be like up to 80 um, percent of your maximal capacity. And then it kind of plateaus. So cardio really improves your heart's efficiency because then this is tied into what I'm going to talk about with the uh, low heart rate. Your heart becomes more efficient. It doesn't need to pump as much. Then we talk about oxygen extraction. So your body needs to be able to extract the oxygen from the blood. So there now it's it's been delivered. How do we extract it? Because it needs to be able to extract it to create that ATP, to generate energy. Now, the amount extracted largely depends on muscle fiber type. And I've talked about this before about how there's type one and then two different kinds of type two. We're just going to call them type one and type two for the sake of this episode. But type one is called a slow twitch, uh, which is more built for endurance. And then we have type two, which is a fast twitch, more built for strength and power. Now, type two you or type one, just by listening to this, you might be like, mm, I think like it, I think it's type one and you would be right. Now, uh, type one also has a higher um, a- availability of these oxidative enzymes. So those with more type one muscle fiber are going they're just going to be better at this. It's why they are better at endurance training. Um, It's just a fact. Now, (laughs) you can absolutely train type 2 fibers to behave like type 1. But like I've said before, it's just that it's going to be a little harder and the genetic potential isn't as high. Now, once this um, oxygen extraction has happened, this ATP conversion Um, So generating the energy, it actually happens in the mitochondria. So cardiorespiratory training actually increases the number and size of mitochondria. Is that not so cool? So the body gets better at converting fuel for energy and corresponding level of oxidative enzymes to convert ATP. So yes, we all have things that we are going to naturally be better at, just going to get It's going to be easier for us to do some things than others, but that doesn't mean you don't need to train other things or that you can't train your body to do that. So now let's talk about some long-term adaptions. So long-term adaptions of cardio training result in one, your heart does not need to work so hard because of, like I said, that increase in stroke volume, the amount of blood that your heart is able to pump with one pump. And number two, you're going to have an increased respiratory capacity. Number three, you're going to be able to uptake more oxygen. And this results in larger reserves and allows you to perform daily life with less stress and strain. I know some people, they say, oh, I stopped doing cardio and now I, you know, I'm, I'm breathing heavily when I get to the top of the stairs. You shouldn't be breathing heavily when you get to the top of the stairs. It shouldn't be like that. These, these basic things should not be challenging. You should be doing cardio. It can also result in lowered blood pressure. So I want to take a minute to talk about this because if you have high blood pressure, it's 
very important that you enter into this carefully because even though exercise can in the long run can help lower your heart rate and your blood pressure um during exercise however it will be higher just because the body is working harder it's having to pump blood more quickly so you just want to be careful with that um it has been shown that people with a not i think it's pre-hypertensive um can come back down to normal when they start exercising more regularly. Now you may have heard, let's talk about the heart rate now. You may have heard that a lower heart rate is better. There's, I know I'm talking to a lot of different people here. Um, I know for myself, that was what I believed for a really long time. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you now, I'm kind of in the middle of these, you guys. So I was told for a really long time, like, oh, lower heart rate is better. And I've always had a pretty low heart rate and people, I, I actually went to school to be an EMT. Don't know if I've ever mentioned that, but I remember at the very beginning, you know, we were practicing just, um, you know, let's say you you show up on the scene and uh, you need to take someone's vitals. They're conscious. They seem fine, but you need to take their vitals. So you're going through like, hey, what's your name? How's it going? Do you know the date? What's your birthday? Blah, 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 blah. And as you're going through this, you need to be able to take their heart rate um, while you're talking to them. So you do that most people know this by just placing it on um, like the inside of your wrist. You should be able to find your pulse there. Anyways, long story short, people are always like, wow, your heart rate is so low. Um, And even before I exercised regularly, my heart rate was on the lower side, like lower 60s. So for me, that's probably um, around there is probably healthy for me to have like lower 60s resting heart rate. But man, years down the road, I started running a lot, a lot, a lot, exercising like two times a day, plus riding my bike all over the city, not eating enough. My heart rate dropped sometimes. It, it was often in the 40s. My heart, my resting heart rate was often in the 40s. And I thought, wow, I'm so athletic. But also combined with that, I was cold constantly 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 when I was my heart rate was more in the 60s I was not cold all the time um and this is because lower heart rate to an extent it's not so black and white lower heart rate can be uh, correlated to a slower metabolism now genetics do play a role I think I get my heart rate from my dad my dad um has consistently had a lower heart rate all his life and my mom she has a higher heart rate and um I I don't think her metabolism is very fast either I mean that's just you know that's just genetics that's just life like um, so anyways, I've always had a, a lower heart rate, um, but it did get super low and my metabolism suffered. So my, what I have come to conclude, and I'll explain why, is that there's a tipping point for each person. So genetics are going to play a role as to where your healthy um, heart rate should be. And I personally think that it should be between 60 to 75. So there's quite a range there. And keep in mind, this isn't heart rate 24-7 or heart rate in the middle of the day. It's your resting heart rate. So right when you wake up, like 60 to 75 seems to be healthiest. Um, But let's say 
uh, you know, you do start uh, doing cardio respiratory training and your stroke volume increases. And so your, your resting heart rate might drop and that's not bad. Um, I was talking to a friend today and she was saying it might, you know, you might want to combine that with checking your basal body temperature. Like, is your body able to maintain its heat? Um, you know, like a good amount of blood flow through the body. So if you notice your heart rate is dropping, 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 and you're getting colder consistently, that might be a sign that your metabolism is suffering as well. But I do think that, um, I do think that it's not so black and white here. Like cardio respiratory training can reduce heart rate, but there seems to be a tipping point because like I was talking about when you exercise, now this is a short-term adaption, but I do think there's a correlation to the long-term. When you exercise, your heart rate increases linearly, but stroke volume, it reaches a point and then it just stops, right? So it reaches its capacity. It's like 70% capacity and it stops during exercise. So I there's only so much that the heart can take like it's only going to be able to take so much blood it's only going to be able to grow so much so just keeping that in mind now I do firmly believe like I've said that I do think cardio is necessary for a healthy heart I think that many people shy away from it just because they have done such intense forms and they've tried running and it was boring and it was hard and it doesn't have to be that way. I do think there can be a place for limited, shorter, intense cardio sessions, but you don't need to do those to improve your health. Uh, there's a principle called the SED principle, and it stands for specific adaptions to imposed demand. So which which um, adaption did you impose on the body because your body is going to adapt specifically to that. <laughs> so if you challenge your body, your body will adapt to that. So what can this look like for you? You want to start doing cardio cardio respiratory training. What should you do? Uh, depending on your current level of, um, you know, cardio fitness, um, it might be speed walking. It might be walking uphill. It might be jogging. It might be running. It might be alternating jogging and walking, alternating running and walking. It might be dancing. It might be hiking. It, it Honestly, it has to do with how it feels for your body. It's not a, like a skeletal muscle thing. So really anything where the heart and lungs are moderately challenged. Now, how often? Should you be doing this? Now, it really depends. Um, when you have a performance goal, that's something totally different. This episode is just about general health, okay? So we're not going to talk about that specifically. But the guideline, I don't, I don't know if I totally agree with this, but the guideline is to accumulate a total of 150 minutes. So that's two and a half hours of moderate uh, cardio or 75 minutes of intense cardio per week. So that's two and a half hours of moderate or an hour and a quarter of intense. And I personally think this isn't very realistic for most pe people, um, especially if you are weightlifting too. It's not that I don't think your body can handle it, but I just look at our lifestyle and I think about what's realistic time-wise. So if you have the time to do that, totally go for it. If you don't, don't worry about it. Do what you can. But I hope this does emphasize the importance of doing cardio. 
Now, I mentioned the moderate and the intense. So what does this look like? So moderate means you can talk, you can hold a conversation, but you can't sing a song. Um, Intense, this would be you're not able to say more than a few words. So you can't really finish a sentence without having to take a breath. So you can you can say like maybe three or four words, but then you need to stop and take a breath. So that's intense. So the moderate, two and a half hours, the intense, hour and a quarter. Um, you could even do a combination of those. So a, an, examples of this, like if you just wanted to do moderate, that would be a 30-minute walk Monday through Friday, or 30 minutes of alternating, just doing something moderate. It could be 20 minutes Monday through Saturday. If you wanted to do the intense, this could be 15 minutes Monday through Friday. That's a very short amount of time. But remember, you have to really challenge yourself during that time. You could also do a combo. You could do 30 minutes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You could do 15 minutes Tuesday, Thursday. So there's really so many different ways to do this. I I wrote so many, I wrote so many options down and now I'm like, I don't even know if I'm gonna read all these, but there's there's a variety of things you can do. And like I mentioned, if you are weightlifting, this can be a lot. Um so what I recommend is doing maybe one intense session per week, two moderate sessions, and then just making sure that you're active outside of that. Like meet up with your friends for a walk, um, go on a walk with your kids, jump on the trampoline with them. So it doesn't even have to be like a session that you set aside time for. You can combine it with other things. And like I said, this could feel like a lot. So start small and work your way up and just see how it goes. And finally, to wrap this up, I mentioned that I am going to be doing a 10K in May of this year. And at the time of recording, I am planning to create 5K and 10K plans. Now, I have not made them yet, but by the time this airs, I should have made them. So please check those out in the show notes and just in the off chance they are not there, go text me or send me a message on Instagram at Estelle C Fitness and um, I will def definitely let you know what's up with that because it's something that I just think would be really fun to do together um, because I want to show you guys that cardio does not need to be something dreadful. I know that a lot of people hate on running. I mean, I'm not like obsessed with running, but I do think that it can be enjoyable and very even like meditative to an extent. So I want to be able to share that with you guys and help you enjoy the process of training your cardiorespiratory system. And really thank you guys so much for tuning in to this whole season. I'm going to be doing a final episode next week all about nutrition. We're going to be covering calories and macros, protein. Can you overdo protein? How do you even get enough protein in one day? Um, how to fuel before and after your workouts. And I'm also going to be touching on weight gain because I know a lot of my listeners, um, they are involved in the more uh, pro-metabolic space or just wanting to support their metabolisms, wanting to eat in line with nature. Um, and sometimes with that can come weight gain. So I'm going to be touching on that as well. So if you want to learn about that, please be sure to tune in next week and I will talk to you guys later.
Thank you so much for tuning in today. I know you could have been doing other things, listening to other podcasts, but you listen to mine. So thank you. If you appreciated this episode, share it with a friend, family member, coworker, anyone else you think could benefit from it, even on your social media. And if you want to go the extra mile, leave a review. I know I might sound like a voice just coming through your headphones or your car stereo, but I am a real person as are you. And when I read your kind reviews, it truly warms my heart and it also helps my podcast grow and reach more people. Lastly, I want you to remember that this podcast is for you. So if there's a topic you'd like to hear about, let me know. Send me an email at estellecfitness at gmail.com. That's Estelle, the letter C, word fitness. So E-S-T-E-L-L-E, the letter C in the word fitness at gmail.com. Or send me a DM on Instagram at Estelle C Fitness. Signing off now. I'll talk to you guys later.